Okay. And so we're going through a series on the Lord Prayer. Uh, we titled it Pray Then Like This. And uh, just to recap the last two weeks, uh, the first week uh, we talked about the purpose of prayer. Um, and I said that the purpose, when you look at the way that the Lord's Prayer is structured, um, the way that the, the substance of the three petitions especially, it's quite clear that the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for God, right? It's centered on God. It's about God. It's about His name, His kingdom, His will. Uh, last week, I talked about the practice of prayer. And I said that when we practice prayer, we need to make prayer a priority, right? Um, it was a priority for the disciples. It was a priority for Jesus, right? He always prayed. And it's meant to be a priority for us, right? When you pray, not if you pray. And I said that when we pray, um, when we practice prayer, uh, we should use the pattern of the Lord's Prayer, right? Learn the rules to break the rules. And the Lord's Prayer is the model that Jesus gave us. And there's a lot for us to learn. Right, so in this third week, uh, I'm going to talk about the pendulum of prayer. Right? And I'll explain what that means kind of later on in the sermon. But as we begin, I want to start off with a question. And the question I want to ask you is, what are the first few words that come out of your mouth when you pray? Right, what are the first few words that come out of your mouth when you pray? Imagine with me, you're on a Zoom service. The presider invites everyone to close their eyes and they say, your name, would you pray for us? So what do you say? You pause for a moment, you open your mouth and you say, you know, you most likely would address God, right? Feel free to post it on the chat, by the way. We can do this because we're interactive. Um, you know, we address God. We say something to God, right? Dear God or Father God, Heavenly Father, our Lord, whatever it is, right? And, you know, we have our go-to phrases that we tend to start off with. Right? I don't know about you, but I always kind of say the same thing. Um, and the sad part really is that we don't think too much about it. We've kind of gone into kind of robot reciting mode. We say the things we say, um, but, you know, we don't think too much about what it is and what it means. Right? We just kind of want to say it so we can move on to what we feel is the more important stuff, right? The thing I want to pray about. And if we're honest with ourselves, I'm sure you've done this. I've done this. Um, sometimes we use them as fillers, not just at the start, but through the service, right? Through the prayer, I mean. When you're in the middle of a prayer and you don't know what to say, you want to buy yourself a second or two, or you kind of insert God's name in there so you can think about what to say next. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, we, God, we also pray, Heavenly Father, that, you know, for the missionaries, our Lord God, that, you know, you kind of just stick it in there just to buy you some time, right? Is that the way that we kind of use God's name um, as a filler, just as a way to open up, um, not really thinking about it? Now, what I want to say today is that the first few words we pray, when we address God, those words are vitally important and maybe even the most significant words that you're going to pray in the whole prayer. Right, so today, what we're going to do is we're going to sit on the first four words of the Lord's Prayer. The first four words are, Our Father in Heaven. Right, these words that maybe you don't think um, are important, uh, may not initially think uh, there's a whole sermon worth to talk about. Uh, but we're going to sit there and hopefully let the significance of those words kind of land on our hearts. Right? What does it mean for us when Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. So I want to split those four words into two parts. We're going to look at the first two words in the first half, our Father. Right? There are many names by which Jesus could have called God. Right? When you look through the Old Testament, uh, God is described in many different kinds of ways. Right? He's the Lord. He's most high, he's the almighty king, he's the judge, etc., etc., etc. And yet, out of all the ways Jesus could have described uh, God, 
he uses the designation our father. He says, this is the way you and I, we should uh, ascribe to God. When we talk to God, this is how we, could, we should speak to him. You are our father. Now give me a nod or a thumbs up if, you know, this is the word father is included in the way that you address God uh, when you start your prayers, right? Any, any one of us? Yeah. I think, you know, the majority of us, right? Maybe not all of us, but the majority of, of us start our prayers with the word father, right? Father God, our father, heavenly father. My, my default opening is heavenly father. And I think I started using it because actually the Lord's prayer, right? Our father in heaven. Um, but, you know, along the way, I, I've forgotten why I say it. I haven't given much thought to it, right? But Jesus says, this is the way we should address God. And Jesus calling God father was like a huge deal, right? This was massive. For the Jews, uh, they, for the most part, had a reverence toward God. But right? they instinctively understood God's holiness, his, the fact that he's beyond us, that he is uh, what I want to say the theological term is transcendence. And I'll talk about that in the second point. But they understood that God was almighty. Uh, but they struggled with this idea that you know, God was close to them, that God was imminent. Right? They uh, understood this so much that even today, uh, they don't dare to say uh, God's name as revealed to Moses, Yahweh. Right? They, they don't say it. Um, even when they write, um, you know, maybe on the internet, they, they try not to write God because they want to honor God, right? They, they understand that God is holy. And so for Jesus to come along and call God Father, it, it, was, uh, it was hard for them to accept. And in fact, they really didn't like it. Right? A German theologian, Joachim Jeremias, he searched through the Old Testament and all the ancient uh, Jewish writings, and he could not find a single example of a Jewish writer addressing God directly as Father. Right? No Jewish person right, directly addresses God as father until the 10th century AD. Right? This is a long time after the death of Jesus. Right? On the flip side, every single prayer of Jesus, except one in the New Testament, contains Jesus addressing God as father. So none of the Jews do this, but Jesus did this every time. So what Jesus is doing when he calls God father is a radical departure from tr tradition. He is doing something that wasn't done. It's new, it's different, it's shocking, right? And you can see that in the response of the Jews. You know, about a decade ago, uh, Uni and I, we were in a growth group. Um, we were just members of the growth group and we were closing in prayer. And uh, one of our friends was closing in prayer and he wasn't like a regular member. I think he'd come from uh, overseas. And so we all closed our eyes and our friend began to pray. And as he began to pray, the first words that came out of his mouth were, daddy right he said daddy so i'm like we love you daddy and he was just praying and he was he's calling god like daddy um and you know uh, i can't remember my my like actual response but it was something like you know like like you know you know that twitch that maybe you see me do like the raised eyebrow and um it, it's like kind of weird like I, I honestly felt like shocked i didn't know what to think about it i'm thinking like is that theologically okay um but but what i want to say is when you think about it the word daddy is very similar to the word father. It's just a bit more intimate and casual. Um, it's just that we're not used to the word daddy. You know, I feel like for the Jews, when they hear Jesus call God father, it was a term that they weren't used to. And maybe they felt what we feel when we hear someone call God daddy. 
right? But you would times that by like a thousand because they had theological reasons why they really didn't like Jesus calling God Father. But if you go to John chapter 5, it says this. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill Jesus because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. For the Jews, it wasn't just a, a weird new thing that Jesus was, was saying when he called God Father. To them, it was blasphemy that, God, that Jesus would um, say that he has such an intimate relationship with God the Father. Right? So much so that they wanted to kill Jesus because he called God Father. Right? Every time you and I refer to God as Father, uh, we should be similarly shocked as the Jews were. We should be shocked just like if someone next to you started calling God daddy, right? We're used to it. We're accustomed to calling God father. Uh, but the fact is, uh, it's not meant to be normal, right? It is a radical thing for us to be able to call God father. And, you know, we should rekindle a bit of that amazement every time we're able to call God father. Now, why is it an amazing thing to call God father? You know, when we say our father, heavenly father, father, God, uh, we are proclaiming what should be blasphemy, but is now a reality for us in the gospel. To call God Father should be blasphemy. That's why Jesus was killed. And it should be blasphemy for us to call God Father. But we are invited to call him Father because of Jesus. Right, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says that we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. By default, all of us, we're children of wrath, right? We're born in this way. But because of Jesus, he's transferred us from being children of wrath to being now children of God, right? We call this the doctrine of adoption. Right? What God has done for us in Jesus is not just, you know, wipe away our sins. It's not just covering us with Christ's righteousness, right? Christ's good work. But he, he goes a step further than that, and then he welcomes us into the family of God. Right? God didn't have to do that. He didn't have to welcome us into his family. He could have just said, well, I'm taking care of your sin problem. Right now, you figure it out. When I see you on the street, I'm not going to say hi. I'm going to pretend I don't know you. He doesn't do that. He welcomes us into right, this family, and he calls us his children, and we're meant to call him father. Right? John 1, he talks about this. It says, but to all who receive Jesus who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so when you think about this, when we call God Father, it's, it's a tremendous thing that we're doing. Jesus had the right to call God Father because he's the Son of God. And the Jews thought he was blaspheming. And they, they, tried to cruci they crucified him and they killed him because of this. But Jesus in the Lord's Prayer is inviting you and me to say this. But remember, the Lord's Prayer is not the prayer that the Lord prayed. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer that he's saying, disciples, I want you to pray this. I want you to say the same words that I say as the Son of God. I want you to address the Father as the Son of God. Right? He's telling us, who, those of us who are by nature not children of God, but children of wrath, to pray then like this, our Father. We're proclaiming blasphemy. Uh, but he's now a reality for us in the gospel. And when you think about a father-son relationship or a you know, father-daughter relationship, there's no more intimate relationship between two um, unequal people. Right? Between like two people are on different levels. You've got a boss and an employee. 
or a leader and a follower, a mentor and a disciple. None of those are as intimate as a father and son or a father and daughter relationship. It is the most intimate, close, loving relationship you can find. And all of this is encapsulated when Jesus says, call God your father. When you think about it in this way, the way we address God shouldn't be a throwaway line. It shouldn't be an empty phrase. It shouldn't just be something that we say without thinking much of, you know, Heavenly Father, and then we move on. Uh, Those words may be the most theologically and personally significant words you pray in the whole prayer. Because what you're proclaiming is um, the power of the gospel. Writing two words, our Father. When you say our Father, you are saying, you know, words that you should not say. But you're able to because of Jesus. You know, the truth is you're only able to pray the rest of the words that come after it because of our father, right? Uh, God only hears our prayers because he's our father. And because he's our father, we have the confidence to say the rest of what we want to say. And so the next time you pray, I want to invite you to pause when you address God and maybe you address him as father. If you don't, maybe do address him as father and be reminded of your salvation. Be reminded of your adoption, right? Don't let it just pass you by, but pause and reflect on what a tremendous thing you are proclaiming when you say our father, right? Rediscover the shock, right? I'm not saying uh, you should call God daddy right? for whoever's closing in prayer. Um, I'm not saying do that. I actually think, I actually think it's a why man thing and that doesn't automatically make it wrong. Um, but the biblical term is father. And so, you know, maybe we'll stick with that, but, you know, just rediscover a bit of that that kind of shock and awe uh, when you pray. The second part of the first four words is in heaven. Our Father in heaven, right? And in heaven, it emphasizes God's transcendence. Straight after the shocking and intimate words of our Father are the reverent, elevating words of in heaven, right? And these two pairs of words uh, are really opposites. Our Father, God is close to me, in heaven, God is you know, above and beyond me. And I talk about this in the Christian faith. There are these tensions that we're meant to maintain. Um, examples, faith and works, tensions that we, we need to hold both at the same time. God's sovereignty and our activity in prayer, right? they seem to oppose each other, but you know, we're meant to hold both as true. And God's imminence and God's transcendence of both are also tensions that we're meant to hold in our faith. God's imminence, I talked about this, our Father, He's close to us, He's present, He's near. We have an intimate relationship with Him, right? The theological term is imminence, right? And transcendence is a theological term to refer to the truth that God is exalted. He is above us, He's beyond us. God rules from on high, He's enthroned above and beyond all of creation. He deserves and enjoys unending worship of the angelic hosts. God is distinct from us, from the rest of creation, right? He is set apart. He alone is holy, magnificent, incomparable. He is God. Right? So Deuteronomy chapter 4, it kind of encapsulates a bit of this. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart. The Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. And I feel like if the Jews struggled with God's imminence, that he was close, now, I feel like for our generation, uh, we struggle with God's transcendence. Right? We struggle to really acknowledge that God is holy and 
maybe we struggle to give him the reverence that he deserves. Not all of us, but just in general, I feel like that's what our generation would struggle with. And this tension is really important, but it's really important that we maintain both sides or else we risk the danger of being out of balance. Right? If you have transcendence alone, right? If you only have in your mind, the idea that God is you know, above and exalted and beyond us, um, then you're going to lose intimacy and closeness in your relationship with God, right? You will only fear him and you won't have the love that allows you to draw near to him, right? You won't have the confidence to draw near to the throne of grace, right? That's Hebrews 4. And we'll question, does he care about me? Or is he with me today? Does he want to listen to my prayers? Or we'll conclude that he is distant and absent. And that will obviously affect the way you pray. Right? Will you want to pray to a God that you only fear, but you don't feel like really loves you? That you feel like doesn't care about you? Right? I don't think we pray to such a God. Or on the flip side, if you only have imminence, if you only understand that God is close to you, but then you don't you know, have that reverent fear, that you don't respect him and honor him, uh, then that's going to affect your relationship with him as well. Right, that's where the, you know, Jesus is my homeboy, hoodies come in and like you treat God as if he's just a friend, but that, that there's nothing more than that, right? You won't then be compelled to worship and adore him as he deserves. And that dynamic will then affect you in your prayer as well, right? You won't kind of exalt him in your prayers. And when you look at the Lord's prayer, this is a prayer where the first three petitions are all about God's glory, right? That comes from understanding his transcendence. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, uh, it says this. I think this is how God's transcendence affects our prayers. He says, Be not rash with your mouth. Let not your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Right? I think this is how transcendence kind of affects us. We, we come before him, um, you know, understanding um, that he is God and that he is mighty. And this is uh, not that related um, but R. Albert Moller, he said this uh, about that verse. It's not related to the sermon, but I thought this was cool. He said, this is why I believe that one of the most helpful things to do in prayer is to pray the scriptures. In this way, we can make sure that God's words are many and that our words are comparatively few. I thought that was cool. I think at that, he's saying we're just quoting back God's word and that way our words are few. Anyway, you know, one thing I feel like imbalanced prayer will lead to in your prayer life is that prayer would not be exciting. Right? If you uh, lean more towards um, transcendence and you lose his imminence, or you lean more towards his imminence and you lose his transcendence, uh, either way, prayer will lose its excitement. And what I mean is, if you're stuck on a God who's transcendent alone, um, you won't want to, it won't be exciting to pray because that will feel like, um, like, like when you see the queen on TV, um, you see her, um, and she's, she's kind of beyond you, um, but she's far away from you. Um, and you won't have that relationship. You can send letters to Buckingham Palace maybe, but you're not sure if she'll ever read them and you're definitely sure that she'll never respond to them. You know, that's not exciting. That's not an exciting relationship. On the flip side, if God is only imminent um, but not transcendent, that's like um, seeing your close friend that you see you know, three times a week. And they just rock up at your house all the time, right? Like, it's not that exciting. I mean, it's exciting because they're your friend, but it's like, they're not a superstar. It's not like, yeah, you know, did you guess who I hung out with? Right? it's not that, right? Either way, uh, it's not exciting when you only have one of the tensions. 
Right? And this is where the, the title of the sermon comes in, the pendulum of prayer. Right? We need to have both. And we need to kind of swing between um, both extremes. I remember I once asked a pastor, how do you find the middle ground between God being fire and holy and God being close and caring? Right? Well, how do you find that middle ground? Because I was struggling with, you know, yes, God is fire and holy, but he's also meant to be close and caring. And how do I understand this? It's kind of confusing. And I remember the pastor replied to me and he said to me, there is no middle ground, right? It's both at the same time, all the time, every time you pray. And that's not exactly what he said, but that's my paraphrase, right? It's both all the time when you pray. It's like these two um, opposites that your mind can't really grasp. And you're kind of swinging like a pendulum back and forth between these two extremes, right? They don't seem to make sense of each other. God is transcendent, he's holy, he's, he's majestic, he's powerful. And then you swing back, but he's close to me and he's listening to me and he's right here with me. Oh, but I shouldn't be near him because he, he's, he's like, there's no one like him and I'm a sinner and he's holy, etc. And you're kind of swinging between these pendulums, between these extreme truths. Right? God is infinitely beyond you and intimately close to you. God is infinitely beyond you and intimately close to you. And these Two opposites coexist, right? They shouldn't coexist, but they do coexist in our lives, especially in prayer, because prayer is so relational. And if you think about it, this is the gospel. This is what the gospel has enabled. Right? A transcendent God, a God of heavens, a God who is holy, is now close to us and imminent with us, us sinners, born as children of wrath, now children of God. Right? This is where the wonder and amazement of prayer comes in. Our ability to maintain both sides of the pendulum and to swing between God's transcendence and his imminence will affect the wonder and amazement we feel when we engage in prayer. Because the more you're able to understand these two opposing truths, the more you will understand that prayer should not be possible. And when you come into prayer, you'll be filled with awe that someone like you could speak to someone like him and that he would care. Right? That gap between God's transcendence and his imminence is where wonder and excitement lives. And if he's only transcendent, right, then there's no, not much gap. You don't think he's that close to you. It's not wonderful. Or if you think he's close to you, but he's not that transcendent, right? he's, he's close to me, but he's just like my friend, then that's not uh, wonderful and amazing. But when you understand he is holy and understand he is close to you, there's this big gap that only grace can bridge. Right? It's, a, it's a gap that grace has bridged. Right? And the bigger that gap, the more amazing prayer is. Right? When we understand both truths, it's like seeing the queen, but not on TV, in your home, sitting down for lunch to talk about whatever you want for however long you want to. Right? That's the wonder of prayer except you replace the queen with the king, right? the king of kings. Right? And you can speak to him about whatever you want for however long as you want to. Right? That is the amazing thing about prayer. And so you swing in the pendulum of prayer and rediscover the excitement and the wonder of prayer. Right? So in summary, this is the pendulum of prayer. A transcendent God in heaven who is also my imminent and close father. And it's all contained in those four words, our Father in heaven, or three or five, depending on how you start your prayers. Right? Those words that we often gloss over, 
Those words that we often just recite and don't give a second thought to, in those words, really, depending on what you say, really, but in those words is the gospel, the power of the gospel proclaimed. It's got such rich, deep kind of theology, and it should mean a lot to you personally. It should remind you of your salvation. It should remind you of your adoption. God is your father. God is imminent, he's close, he's caring, he's loving. Jesus was killed for these words and more. And now he invites you to pray then like this. Pray to God, he's your father. And at the same time, God is transcendent, he's exalted, he's beyond you. We're all by nature children of wrath, undeserving of God's attention, only deserving God's judgment, but in Christ, now children of God. Right? He is your heaven. He is your father who's in heaven. And the one who is in heaven is your father, right? There's the, 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 tr- the amazing uh, wonder of prayer every time we engage in it. So I want to encourage you, uh, every time you address God in your prayers, every, tri- every time you pray, uh, don't just rush into it. Don't just kind of skim over the first few words. I encourage you to pause and think about the weight and the truly amazing words you are saying when you say heavenly father or father God or my father, or what are you really proclaiming? You're proclaiming the power of the gospel. Pray then like this, our father in heaven. And so the challenge is again this week um, to spend two chunks of time in prayer. Um, and you know, if you've done that for the last two weeks, two chunks of 15 minutes, I encourage you to maybe push it more and, um, make it 20 minutes, make it 30 minutes. Maybe you can't do that long. Maybe you have three times or 15 minute slots. Um, if you haven't done any kind of prayer in the last two weeks, like you haven't like sat down and had a chunk of time in prayer, 15 minutes, it's not really a chunk, well, it's a chunk, but not, not a huge chunk. Um, like I really encourage you to do it, right? Just, I don't know, do it, right? It's good for you. Right? It's difficult to um, say we have a relationship with God if we're, we're not spending time with Him. So I really encourage us to do that. Let's build a habit. So the two questions I want to um, challenge us to talk about today is, um, you know, what are the first words you say when you pray? And why do you say those words? And, so, and the second one is, which side of the pendulum do you tend to swing more to? Do you kind of more think about God as a transcendent God who is holy and beyond you? Or do you tend to think about God as imminent and close to you, but you know, not holy? Or do you feel like you've you got a good balance? And how does this affect your prayers? Right, so I want to challenge us to um, talk about these, or you can talk about something else if you want.